Welcome to the Bridgeway Church Podcast. My name is David Bowden, and along with one or several members of the church staff, I get to host conversations about how Bridgeway is seeking to fulfill its mission to exalt Christ in this city. If you are a member of Bridgeway, we hope this helps you more deeply engage with what God is doing in our midst. And if you aren't a part of Bridgeway, we hope you feel welcome and that our discussions may lead to more Christ-glorifying ministry in your own context. Let's jump in. Welcome, everyone, to the Bridgeway Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We are in our second episode of our singleness series. And um, if you haven't listened to the very first episode we posted about singleness, you're going to want to go back and listen to that because I first sit down and talk to Krista Meyer about the vision for our singleness series, um, the vision for the Connected Seminars, and you're going to want that context going into this episode. So what you're going to hear today is the second rebroadcast of our connected seminars. Um, This one is from Andy Edwards. Last time was from Hannah Chang, and uh, he shares about singleness. And uh, so we're rebroadcasting that here for you before we jump in in the next episode into more of our traditional format of conversations around the idea of singleness. So for now, we hope you enjoy this rebroadcast from the connected seminars from Andy Edwards. It's an honor for me to be able to address us as a diverse spiritual family and in this topic. And um, I've been praying and thinking about this night for months now, reading, discussing, asking questions, listening to podcasts, watching sermons. I'm going to pause there. If you picked up the notes at the door, um, when, I, when I talk about all of the stuff that I've kind of looked at and read, Sam's sermon uh, back in May of 2018 is probably one of the best sermons I've ever heard on singleness. So please take that as a resource. Go watch that. Um, You have the notes, so they're on that table back there. Grab it. Read through those. Um, Just have been uh, super encouraging. But ultimately, in all my prep, it's my Bible and my interaction with God that has been the most fruitful. And it's been a time of uh, new awareness, new insight into the lives of my single brothers and sisters, Um, There's even a meeting. I couldn't go to most of the meetings, so they recorded one for me as they were meeting. And just that like hour, my mind was blown. Like just growth happened, just listening uh, to stories and to ideas and thoughts. Um, Over the last month, it's been a time of celebrating the good that our diverse spiritual family here at Bridgeway is walking out. It's also been a time of personal repentance where I feel like we are falling short of God's best for our body in this area. Um, There are going to be amazing people sharing over the next 24 hours. Uh, Tonight, I get to kind of set a base for where we're headed. Uh, Let me say this. There are 7,000 things that need to be said. We might get to two or 300 of them over the next 24 hours, all right? Um, We're doing the Connected Seminars this year because we realize that being a diverse spiritual family has many facets. Yes, diversity points to age, Gender, ethnicity, socioeconomic standing, personalities, giftings, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And all these things and more make us a diverse spiritual family. So we must continue to actively press into all of those areas. And we will. But an area that we saw was missing on some level from these previously mentioned categories was this stage of life differences or season of life or life circumstances, whatever you want to call it. So we decided in 2020 we would tackle some seasons of life that at our church on some level can be overlooked. And and it's been mentioned, singleness, marriage, 
and parenting. And I know what most people are going to say at a church that's 70% married with kids. Okay, I agree. Singles possibly maybe are overlooked. But marriage and parenting? How is that overlooked at a church like this? Well, think about this for a second. We actually rarely take time to purposely address any of these topics on a large church-wide scale. So our singles are sitting in here struggling with how they fit into a church that's over 70% married with kids and then a thousand other questions of what life things are going on around them. And then for singles or for everyone in the room, think about this, many of our marriages are falling apart right in front of us. And there are people in marriages right now asking why do they feel so alone even in their marriage? And then nearly every parent I talk to including myself, because I talk to myself a lot, especially about this. We're crying out asking, am I doing this right? Am I messing up my kids forever? Why do I feel so alone in this process? So it's easy to say, okay, we understand a little bit maybe the singleness, but it's why this is a year of hitting a diverse spiritual family means we want to cover areas that are vitally important in different seasons of life. So being a part of a diverse spiritual family means we begin to address as best we can all areas of diversity in some sort of meaningful way. So let me say this, we're probably failing more than we're succeeding in this endeavor, but we are going to press on and ask the Holy Spirit to lead us in becoming even more of a healthy, diverse spiritual family. The Holy Spirit has to do that. That's something I think we've realized as staff and and elders and then in conversations as Holy Spirit, you have to come actually make us a diverse spiritual family. So tonight and throughout the weekend, the focus is on the life circumstance of singleness. So why are we spending a whole weekend focusing on it? Number one, because traditional Eastern and Christian subculture tell us some massive untruths about singleness that everyone in our body needs to hear about and begin to wrestle with and maybe even begin to understand And I'm going to address a few of those a little later, and I promise you tomorrow those are going to be hit hard over the remainder of the weekend of just what is it? Why are we addressing this? What do we need to talk about, and why do we need to talk about singleness? This is a really weird one to say, but I'm going to say it. So number two, why? Because nearly everyone in this room, whether you're married now or not, you will be single again at some point in the future. Like, oh gosh, no. (laughs) Let's not go there. Let's not, like... I don't like even saying it, but I think it's true. It's going to be very rare that those who are married are going to actually die at the same time as their spouse. And then the brokenness of this world is going to create all sorts of other havoc in marriages. So what we want you to hear is that tonight is for everyone. It's for learning. It's for preparation. It's for a deeper understanding and primarily how to see that the gospel gives us hope and meaning in all life circumstances. And thirdly, because being a diverse spiritual family means we have to listen to each other. We actually have to care about those within this family, no matter what season of life each of us are in. Those that are in the same season of life need to care for each other. Those that are in completely opposite seasons of life, those who are introverts, those who are extroverts, and those who are single. That's why we're here tonight to talk about singleness. Where are they in life? What is it like to be single? How is the single person in this body feeling? 
What does it really feel like? What's it like to be in a church that is 70% married with kids? Like, what, what is that? So those are the whys. So I, I, I'm not gonna, there's so much again that's gonna come out. Uh, I cannot wait till tomorrow morning to hear Jonathan Menendez talk about a theology of singleness. Like what, it, like what does the Bible say about singleness? Because of that, and even because Hannah gave us a small theology of singleness already, I'm gonna add a little bit to it, but I'm actually trying to cut stuff out because I want us to be able to focus in on a few things. So I wanna start with just some untruths. I just wanna kind of highlight, maybe blow out of the water and then move on. But maybe it's stuff that we don't understand. And this is something that Hannah's already said, but here is, here is a untruth. Being single is less than or being married is better than. How about this? Singles are second class. Marrieds are first class. It's like you're on an airplane and all the singles have to walk by all the good life, comfy people to go to the back of the plane. Here's the deal. That is some feeling stuff that's going on. But the Bible doesn't tell us that being single is less than. And it definitely doesn't tell us that being married is better than. If we want to put and you go, okay, but, but, but are we going to talk about the Bible? I will a little bit. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 7, which has already been read. We'll see, we throw it up there. To the unmarried and the widows, I say it's good for them to remain single as I am. It's good for them to remain single. It's good, good. It is good for them to remain single as I am. Singleness is good. It is good for them to remain single single as I am. So then here's the, the question we always get is like, okay, so Paul's saying it's good. It's a gift that's coming a little later. He'll say it's this great thing. Well, okay, wait, what about Ephesians 5? Because Ephesians 5 tells about the beauty of marriage. So our Bible contradicts each other. Oh no. <laughs> this doesn't work. How about this? The Bible doesn't contradict. It's saying singleness and marriage are equal. Not better than, less than, but it's, they're actually equal. Equal. The Bible says both are a gift from God. I actually wrote the word yikes. <laughs> Why do we primarily say marriage is a gift? Be I, that's what we say, right? The majority culture and especially traditional culture. And let's, I mean, we want to go into Eastern culture or you go back to the first century. If you are single, you actually were no one. So Christianity in the first century had to come against that early on and say, no, Paul had to say singleness is a gift and marriage is a gift. But marriage is only a picture of the amazing marriage that's to come. It's a, it's a model. It's like a, it's just this shadow. Now, it's a great, amazing gift, but it's, if we we're going to say that it's an amazing gift to be married, then, oh my goodness, what's it going to be like sitting around the table at the, the marriage feast of the lamb, the supper when, when, when everything is made new and right. 
And all beauty is beauty. Like you look at Jesus and you see beauty. I'm getting so far ahead and I'm always taking away Menendez's stuff right now. So you gotta be back tomorrow. By the way, all of this will be recorded, all of these sessions. And so if you have friends that aren't here tonight or if you're like, I need to re-listen or I'm not signed up for tomorrow, all of that. Bottom line is this, the Bible says that both singleness and marriage are a gift from God, a gift from the God that created the universe. Listen to this, not better than or less than, the gospel actually breaks down the walls between any and everything the enemy wants to use to divide us. Wait a second. So when I look at Ephesians chapter two, and it talks about the wall of hostility between the Gentiles and the Jews, and the gospel breaks that wall down, you, can, you, you would also bring that into marriage and anything that the enemy wants to divide us in a church by, by some sort of life circumstance that then we start elevating one over the other, the gospel actually breaks it down. Paul is saying, I don't want there to be a separation for us to be a diverse spiritual family when we're in community groups. I don't necessarily want, I'm not saying this is wrong, but I don't necessarily want a community group that's just all married people or that's just all single people. Why? Because we're a diverse spiritual family. The gospel calls us to that. Another brief piece. The Old Testament says, be fruitful and multiply physically. So what do we still do? We think that's the plan for God, for God's glory to reach the earth. But the problem is Jesus says, go and make disciples spiritual sons and daughters, spiritual brothers and sisters. Jesus even said when he was asked about his physical mother and brothers, he said, who are they? He said, oh no, my, my, my mother and my brothers, those are the ones who hear the word and obey it. He started separating blood family from spiritual family. Think about Paul in 1 Timothy. He, he, Paul calls Timothy his what? What? His son. Wait, 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 Timothy wasn't his son. Why could he call him his son? Because Paul was beginning to blur the lines between what? Blood family, spiritual family. Do we believe that spiritual family actually runs deeper than physical family? Oh, God. I don't even know how that works. Because that is like opposite of culture. But... That's what the Bible is telling us, that spiritual family trumps blood family. And you're like, okay, so, so now, but this is kind of, so are you telling me, I, what about my family? Man, you love them. <laughs> it's a gift. It's beautiful. But what we do is we elevate blood family to an idol, and then we hide from spiritual family I mean, we know in Western culture what most of us do. We drive into our home or apartment, we shut the door, and the world is out. We don't have community. We're not a spiritual family. Do we really believe that spiritual family runs deeper? How about this myth? Number two, singles, the, the singles are not really living yet. Marriage, listen, marriage is actually the beginning of life and Christianity. <laughs> Do you guys know that? 
when you get married, man, life begins. Yeah, that's the myth. That's nowhere in scripture. Nowhere mentioned in scripture. Marriage is the beginning of real life and real Christianity. It's just not true. Let me give you some examples. Some are friends of mine or some I want to be friends with. Jackie Pullinger. You ever read Chasing the Dragon? Rooted out of her life out of the UK and moved over to where? Hong Kong, the walled city. Why? Because she saw spiritual family, spiritual multiplication, spiritual sons and daughters is the best way to honor God with her life. She said, I'm going. And the, generate, the, the spiritual generational family that has been, um, that God has used to create and push out because of her, uh, she didn't wait for marriage to start living. She did it because she saw, she saw it in scripture and walked it out to the glory of God. Oh, he says, go and make disciples. He's like spiritual sons and daughters, spiritual brothers and sisters. We have this young woman in our community group named Nellie. Uh, she's a single college student and she adds so much to our group. She prays prophetically over us. And, I'm, and every time she prays, I'm like, oh, that is so powerful. She's not waiting for life to start later. She's hearing from the Holy Spirit. Um, There's a guy named Ken Dunlap. Anybody know him? He runs our sound. Been here for years and years. Is he here? Dang it, he was supposed to come. <laughs> Ask him permission. I said, we go way back. Now, if I, were, I wrote, if I were ever to point to a person to debunk the myth that singles are not really living yet, it's Ken Dunlap. He serves. He loves. He plays. He gives. He prays. And he has been one of the biggest blessings in my life. That's spiritual family. This is a quote from Hannah. I wasn't sure, like, do I say these? When we start talking about singles are not really living yet or marriage is, is where it all starts, Hannah said, this is a paper that she wrote uh, a year, two years ago. It's a significant source of pain as a single adult to feel like a JV Christian who must wait for marriage in order to be qualified for leadership or to even be acknowledged as someone with something to say. So just hear that from a single sister. Myth number three, and this is one. So just so you know, a guy named Sam Albury, uh, he's got this uh, book and then different videos you can see on his different myths. I, I use a little bit, but... Man, this one was from like listening to the team here. Um, myth number three, singles have all the time in the world. <laughs> singles can do whatever is asked of them. Here's a quote from a single. I don't have more free time than you. In addition to working a full-time job, I'm also running my home, caring for my parents, without being able to split laundry, cleaning, cooking, grocery shopping, and lawn mowing with another person, end quote. <laughs> Singles don't have all the time in the world. And I understand, I understand where it's coming from. I understand where the, the, the myth or the untruth or whatever that, man, oh, you're single, you must have all this time. 
I do understand as a married person, and Paul addresses this. He's like, if you're going to marry, get ready because you can't be single-minded anymore. And what he means is you can't just think about Jesus. You have got all of these responsibilities, and that's not to lessen the responsibilities of those who are single. But what we do is we say, well, if you're married, and then if you're married with kids, your life is crazy. The single life must be easy. And it's just not true. It's not true. And I think we need to understand that single people have jobs. Some single people have kids. Some single people have grandkids. Some have ministries. All have passions and goals that they're working towards that have lives that are full. And we've got to remember that and not minimize things or people. Again, it could go on, but come back tomorrow. How about this one? Single people are the lonely people. Now, just let that sit there because you're like, why? So is that untrue? I'm not saying single people aren't lonely, but what we say is that the singles are lonely and the marrieds are not. And I can, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to get in trouble by asking married people how lonely they are. But it's a reality that I think both stages of life can care and comfort for each other, can, can, can like love one another in wherever they're at. This is just, I'm just saying because Sam Albury said this. He's a single man with profound writings and teachings. And he says, I would rather be unhappily single than unhappily married. Do you know that this is to singles? Like, as I was thinking through this, singles, you, you, got, you all actually do because you're single. You have a higher, higher capacity for deep friendship. And you know what? I, I don't, I, I get afraid of the word intimacy, but intimacy is this scary word because it always gets connected with sexual fulfillment, Right? Singles, marrieds, you can have intimate friendships with people because intimacy means conversation. It means deeply caring for one another. Who is the most intimate relationship you have? If you know Jesus, that's like, we can have the most intimate, real, personal, vulnerable relationship with Jesus. And that's the picture. And if he's pouring out on us intimacy and love and grace, that has to be coming out of us. And there's the ability to do that. Intimacy isn't just for married people. Proverbs 27. Let me see if this pops up there. Oil and perfume make the heart glad and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Do not forsake your friend and your father's friend. And do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. It's just elevating friendship that we don't do. And in the real good healthiness of friendship, that, 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 it can, that it needs to be pursued. And again, single people, you have a higher, like there is a higher capacity. I know, it, I, I have a harder time finding intimacy and friendship. Why? Because I am so focused on my family and, 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 the, and what God has called me in there that sometimes I don't get to enjoy some of the friendship pieces. Now, well, we'll just stop. <laughs> Last one. And again, there's a hundred myths or untruths or whatever I call them. I, th- this is a big one though. All singles are the same. 
Do you know that single people have different personalities? <laughs> that was my only funny part of the night. I, now we're okay, right? Listen, different passions, different commitments. Some are single and they want to be married. Some are single and they're a parent. Some are single and under 30. And that person's different that's single and under 50. And that person's different that's single and under 70. And that person's different that's single and under 90. Like there's differences in single people. But for some reason, the untruth is that all singles are single and that's their identity, which makes them all the same and they're not. But that's where spiritual family and community come in. Some are single and content to be single. It's a calling. Some are widowed, maybe more than once. Some are divorced, divorced, some by choice, some by not. Some have same-sex attraction, but committed to, feel, to fully living in Christ. Some the, the Singles. It's beautiful. It's, it's, there's a bunch of singles that are human beings that are different. Can we recognize that and celebrate where they're at in their singleness? I could go on forever, and I am going to blow us up here. I could go on and on, but I, I, I got to focus on diverse spiritual family. Uh, if you have your Bible, Philippians 2, 1 through 4, as I was like, over the last month, this is the passage I could not get away from. And so this is the passage that we're going to kind of end in. Hannah gave so many of these little practical pieces. We can talk through that. But what you're like, okay, wait, your title is Singleness and Community. Right now you've just told us some stuff about the Bible and some stuff about single. So, so focus in with me here. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, and that's actually from his love, any participation in the spirit, that means fellowship with the Holy Spirit, any affection and sympathy, that is his affection and sympathy towards us. And this is Paul saying, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. When I read that text, this is when I start thinking about community group or um, community in and with singles and with married and why in our different stages of life, how do we live this out? If we have found encouragement in Christ and that if, and if you go to the commentaries, that's not like, I don't know, maybe doubt. That's assuming you have found encouragement in Christ. If you have found and been comforted by the love of Christ, if you actually walk with intimacy in the Holy Spirit, and then if you are receiving the, the affections and sympathy and tenderness and compassion from Jesus, what's he saying? He's saying, have the same love, have the same mind, be in full accord and of one mind. He's like, I want you because Jesus comes to you as a married person or a single person and he encourages you and he pours out comfort and love on you and he fills you with his Holy Spirit and he has sympathy towards you and tenderness towards you and compassion towards you. And when we receive that, this is what the gospel does. It opens us up to see that there are people around us that also need encouragement and need to be comforted by his love and need to be given the Holy Spirit and need to, we, we have to be tender towards, but guess what? We can't do that by ourselves. The, the gospel, Jesus, what he's done for us, 
As he, as we were far from God, he came and encouraged us. He came and loved us. He came and died for us. He took our sin on himself. He raised from the dead. He poured out tenderness, sympathy, affection, comfort, love, encouragement. He forgave us. And if we live in that, we can be a diverse spiritual family. Because when we receive that from him, we can offer that to our single brother and sister. Our single brother and sister can offer that to a married couple and their kids. Uh, Whatever season or stage of life, whatever diversity we're asking for, it all comes together when we receive what Jesus has done and then begin to walk out of that. Then, when we've been encouraged by Christ and comforted by his love, then we can count others more significant than ourselves. That's what actually being a diverse spiritual family is. It's looking across the room in community group or on a Sunday morning and saying, I am considering that person and where they're at in their life more significant than myself. Now you say, how do you do that? You don't do that by just trying to do that. It's the gospel that does it in you. When you receive that from Christ, you can then begin to give that to your brothers and sisters. Because of Jesus' encouragement and comfort and love and his gift of the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, his tenderness and compassion, we can now give to others and we can live specifically to those in our spiritual family and actually begin to think about the other person. Any concerns of others were to become the concerns of all. That's what a diverse spiritual, any concerns of others become the concerns of all. In community groups, when I think about that, we could live there forever. I could continue to just keep reminding us tonight of how amazing Jesus is and his love. Because if we don't, if we try to leave that too quickly, we won't love anyone well around us. But then how do we actually love those in a different stage of life? Because if, if we're encouraged, I mean, it's crazy. What I want to say is, well, what does the Bible say? Philippians 2 says, as we gather together, what? Encourage one another. Can you encourage someone in your life that's in a different season than you? Yes. Can you show affection and sympathy? Can you comfort and love the singles in our spiritual family? How do we do that? Again, overlap here. Hannah said it, listen. Is that a spiritual gift? Should be, because it's hard. But when, it, when you are encouraged by Christ, you begin to listen to your brothers and sisters. You, you begin to ask questions about what their life is like, what it feels like, what it was like growing up, what it's, how it's been difficult suffering. All of the, again, ask and ask and ask. I would say if we have to get a spiritual discipline, maybe it's not spiritual discipline, but I don't know. What if we start asking the Lord, would you give us the discipline of listening and asking good questions? I'm not good at good questions. Listening and asking questions. That's fine. But what if we all, to each other, married to singles, singles to married, started listening to where other people are at. Why? Because Christ listened to us. It always goes back to 
to the gospel. How about this? I could go through some points of like, here are some ways, but listening is key. How about this? If, if you are a married married or married with kids, how about flexing your family schedule and inviting a single into your home on nights other than community group night? You wanna talk about repentance for me? I love the singles in our group. I have not had them to my house outside of community group. That is not good. That, that means I haven't received the love of Christ and poured that out on people around me. What if that's one thing? So here, here's a quote from a, a single woman in our, our body. I'd love to sit with you while your family watches TV or eats Saturday morning pancakes or cleans the house or whatever other mundane family thing you'd think I'd never want an invite for. Because sometimes I just need some mundane family time. And then I read this the other day too. And, and again, just brought conviction. And, 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 and as Laura and I have talked some about th these things, no two parents can actually give their kids what they need. Wait, wait, what? We need each other. My children need other people. Like my children need some of our married friends in their lives. My children need our single friends in their lives. Like my children need, I can't and we can't as two parents actually give our kids what they need. We were, we were called by God to live in spiritual family together. Here's another thing, don't, don't claim to understand singleness. Even if you've been single at one point for a long time, listen, ask the Holy Spirit for understanding and compassion. Don't claim to understand where a single person is. How about this one? Talk about things other than your kids and spouse sometimes. It's hard. But on the same vein, stop elevating the biological family over the spiritual family. Go and participate in their events and enjoyments, their soccer game, their art, their concert. Like, and you're like, that's so, it's just hard. We have to flex schedules. We have to be flexible people. This goes back to considering others more significant than ourselves, to, to looking to the interests of others. Why? Because that's what Christ calls us into. And then the last thing is what Hannah said, celebrate singleness. Celebrate them in your community group. Celebrate birthdays and, and, and accomplishments and things. To be a diverse spiritual family means that we count others as more significant than ourselves. Here is what makes married and single believers the same. We can talk about our differences. We're human. Whoa. You went deep on us, deep dive. We're human beings and we're looking to the coming of Jesus and the great wedding feast to be holy and finally united to our groom forever. You want to talk about what brings us together? We, as a diverse spiritual family, married and singles, are looking to the coming of Jesus and to the great wedding feast to be holy and finally united to our groom forever. This is why marriage and singleness are both good gifts because they both press us towards the final ultimate wedding with Jesus, the one who actually loves us more than any other human ever could, ever would, and ever will. 
Jesus is our ultimate delight. Jesus is our ultimate joy. Jesus is our ultimate satisfaction. Oh, Jesus, I'm asking, Jesus, would you come and make all things new that we could sit around the wedding feast as people from every tribe, tongue, and nation to worship you forever together as one diverse spiritual family. We're going to worship. We're going to go into communion, and then we're going to spend some time worshiping together because what brings us together is Jesus and his beauty. What we're looking forward to, what we're looking forward to. So that is where we're going to launch into communion. And I'm going to end with this quote from a single, a single human being that is just like a married human being. We've talked about this, right? This person says, my hope is that Bridgeway becomes a church body that uniquely welcomes, invites, values, equips, and empowers single adults in the same breath that it welcomes, invites, values, equips, and empowers families and married couples to love and follow Jesus. Not to pacify the bemoaning cries of the unmarried or out of a majority culture guilt, but because we are adamant about loving each other well with Christ-like love and because we wholeheartedly believe, that, believe the truths revealed to us in Scripture. So why can we do this? Because of the one who loves us. What's the other answer? There isn't. I'm telling you, don't try to love people without first resting and receiving and like soaking in the love of Jesus because you will fail every time. But when you soak and rest and trust, love can start flowing out and it still won't be perfect because we're still, it's still just, we're in the shadow lands. We're not to the perfect place yet, but it's coming. Let's live there. Thank you for listening to the Bridgeway Podcast. For more information about Bridgeway Church, we invite you to visit bridgewaychurch.com or you can follow us on social media at BridgewayOKC. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider leaving us a review. So on behalf of Bridgeway Church, thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.